Hey there, this is Ed Townend, and you're listening to Erratic Control. This is the first podcast released since uh, 21st of February 2018, so it's been a while. I'm recording this on the 28th of December 2018, so it's a whole 10 months late. This is the last podcast I recorded uh, with an interviewee. It's, uh, this podcast is with DJ Jaffa. Well, I'll talk more about the future of this podcast uh, after the interview. So I met Jaffa back in January, end of January, and interviewed him about his life, about uh, the music in general. There's also quite a lot of tracks we put in into the podcast for to kind of give context and kind of give you a, an insight into what we're talking about. Uh, you can find a track list either on the SoundCloud or in the podcast description uh, when, when you've downloaded it. So yeah, more podcasts are possibly coming. I'll talk about that later. But for now, this is my interview with DJ Jaffa. I tried Apple Music out. It, it just it was really hard to search functions and stuff on yeah, it. And it's, it's, it's not as well to... set up as Spotify. That's no. the thing with these things. It's like once they're set up and once they're kind of established, the one that started it first is the, always going to be the best one. Yeah. So because it's got more experience and it's learning a bit more and, and that's the one people know the most. So that's the same thing with um, with Spotify. Like Spotify was the first kind of yeah, like it's, it's gonna. Program. Yeah, it's, it's it's like Marvel and DC films. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. is established, up and running, and DC is trying to ca- uh, catch up. But yeah. in certain cases, like it was interesting because MySpace was like the one for music for a long time. You kind of that customizability of it, and I never thought I would like go on Facebook. Yeah, like, same, MySpace yeah. was fine, and then I don't know what happened to it. Like, just everyone stopped using it. Yeah, because I didn't go on Facebook until like about 2011, I think it was. Mm. I was on Twitter before, I was on Facebook, yeah. but then before that, obviously MySpace. And it was just yeah, because like... MySpace was like so much better for musicians, because there was more interactivity. Yeah, and you yeah. could share things a lot better on MySpace, and, and you can like, because uh, at first on Facebook, you could message between pages, yeah. which was like really helpful for if you were doing like promoting and stuff, and and then they'd stop stop doing that. You can't message and you can't message out as a page to anyone anymore. Just such crap. It's like so. It's uh, just weird. But so you, yeah, I made I made so many connections like through MySpace. Yeah. Initially, and now like that's translated now over to Facebook. But mm-hmm. still, it's, I was speaking to a friend of mine. He's from um, Buffalo, just Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. and he's an artist. He wanted to do a mixtape of just like original tracks, but of all different producers from all over the world. And mm. we started speaking on MySpace. Yeah. That was years ago. Like, and, he was, and he was speaking to me on Facebook the other day. He was like, oh my God, you know, we've been on each other for years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And like MySpace, you could like, yeah, listen to someone really easily and like comment on it and like everything like that. But with Facebook, it's, you can only do that. Yeah. You can only do that as a, as a person. And like now they've even, they've cracked down on it more. So you have to like give your proper name. Yeah. And everything. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a bit it's a bit messed up but yeah. and yeah and it's all this new stuff now about them trying to make it more personal yeah it's... but the, the more we complain about it the more it's like well, well we, we complain we about still it, do it but we still use it, <laughs> still use it. <laughs> very true like you can't can't escape it like that's no. the, that's the thing it's like i for ages have got oh, i don't want to have facebook anymore but i, I have to have it yeah it's my work like 
it's essential now. Like I do half my work on Facebook. Which yeah. Is, well, initially uh, I, was, I was thinking, oh, if I just get rid of my rid of my personal Facebook, I don't really want that, but I want to keep mm. my page. But then you can't. You do can't that, do that. Can yeah, you? you have to have a personal <laughs> yeah. page. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, but and, and it's it's harder to communicate. You like I said, you can't send any messages out as a Facebook page, and then also you get stuff seen more if yeah. you're a personal page as well, which is like, so you kind of have to do oh, I keep on getting things, oh, you know, boost your post on yeah. your page. And all. It's like, mm, okay. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's, they because the thing is when Facebook started, they didn't have any way to make money off it. And now they do. Now they found yeah. a way to make money off it. And that's, that's how they make all the billions of dollars. So, so yeah, I've been getting to the music awards kind of, uh, you think you were the one of the first judges to actually respond? Just thank, thanks for that. Yeah, well, <laughs> Cause it's like, cause that just go, shows how much I'm online. And well, it's not. It's not even that. It's just like um, I think I found that. I think if it was me, I'd I'd probably be just as bad. Because I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll do that later. Yeah, that's fine. I'll I'll come to that later. Because it's not. It's not like. It doesn't take two minutes. It takes a couple of minutes. Like, yeah, well, that's of, it. Yeah. And it's 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 good as well. It's I was you know as soon as I heard about the awards initially. I was like, yeah, brilliant. We need it. Because, you know, we had, like, there was the music awards that I think it was Bay FM or whatever it was back then was putting together years ago. And it was like they had a dance music and then they just had, like, the pop rock sort of side of it and all that. It was all right. Don't get me wrong. It was was pretty good. But then it just stopped. Mm. And it was just like, we need something. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where if you don't, maintain it it can just go really like easily disappear yeah. yeah so everything's closing on wednesday so i kind of no, next week's gonna be next two weeks gonna be. so that's gonna be sifting through everything yeah then. intense because we've got i think we might have just hit 2000 public nominations and then there's um all the judges wants to go through as well and then kind of making sure there aren't any duplicate emails or like fake emails and stuff like that and it's going to take while and then kind of then <laughs> shortlisting them and making sure everyone can do it and like it's kind of yeah but it's no it's you know the results were so good last year that i know it's gonna be worth it so I'm yeah no, it was good you won best dj in 2015 didn't you yes yeah which is cool and i i remember like going because it's it's not my area of expertise i was like i was kind of relying on everyone else to kind of know what was good and, <laughs> and yeah and that and so kind of the two years we've had awards I think both times, like you and and then Ransom winning it last year was like good good representation. I think, yeah, yeah, like definitely. Different sides of it as well because yeah. you can you can have such a broad spectrum of what a DJ is as well. Um, it's funny listening to Ransom um, his podcast and I was just in the kitchen listening to it and I was just like nodding in agreement all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, definitely. <laughs> That's the thing is like I I like I said I don't know. I know next to nothing of law. Well, I, I don't know, not, not next to nothing. Like, I know more than the average kind of club goer, I would think. I don't know. Because I have, I did learn to do it when I was a teenager and I've kind of worked with DJs. Yeah. Now. So I do know like a bit about, about beat matching. And, and also um, something I've learned is like, it's, it's just as important as like technique is choosing the music. Yeah. Because you can't, especially, I don't know, it depends on what kind of set you're doing, but um the music choice is really important because oh you... definitely it's it's like i do different it's like i do a night in buffalo and that is just random mm. mainly sort of funk orientated but a lot of like sort of hip-hop a lot of soul a lot of disco whatever dance music house 
anything just across the board. But then I've got other nights like I do disco motel, hundred mm. percent disco, yeah, you know, disco funk souls that sort of thing. And then I do um, upstairs in Peppermint, which is R and B, hip hop, and dancehall. And then I do like sip out mixes of other stuff like. 2018 boom bap hip hop or yeah. and then I do you know but it's across the board but it's you've got to pick you know whatever setting you're at you've got to pick yeah. what music is so the ones like Disco Motel that's easy because it's just Disco Peppermint same thing but then when you get thrown in to like oh can you just DJ this night's one off you just got to read the room. Basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm, okay. I think yeah, that's that's got to be a challenge when you when you go into somewhere you you're not familiar with, and you just got to play something yeah. and see how well it goes down, and then play some more of the same, and then you know you can't really equate it to something musical. Like, no, um, it's, it's it's like people say, you know, it's like, oh, you're just a DJ, you just play records, and I, that's just really. Just, <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right, okay. I, I, you know, I had that attitude when I was younger, and I just was like, "Oh, it's not. It's not." I don't know. It was kind of that whole when the when EDM was kind of getting really popular, and you kind of go, oh, "Are they real? Like, what? What is that? Is that real music?" But it was like it's so it's so annoying. Like I saw a post. Uh, someone posted something yesterday about doing sound for Steve Aoki. It was like, oh, "I just got paid to watch a guy press play and throw a cake at someone." I was like. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's it's a little <laughs> bit more than that. Like, I don't think he'd be like a world famous DJ if it was just that's all he did. Like, yeah. Um, you know, and it's you know you have got different levels. I'm not saying Steve Aoki's like the best DJ in the world, but also it's like um, I don't think he's phoning it in every night. No, it's like you got people like David Guetta who just to me, yeah. I, you know, as a DJ looking at him, I can't really see what he's doing. Well, yeah, precisely. And, <laughs> and, and as a non-DJ, I like watch him and go, it's not doing anything. Is yeah. It? Like, it's just like his whole thing seems to be put his hands over one ear, put his head down, mm. press something and then just throw his hands in the air. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, like, but that's the thing because like he's, he's billed as a DJ, but technically he is he's, just, he's just a producer. Yeah, he's a producer. It's, but you can't, yeah, you can't It's like Dead Mouse has been like on the, top 10 or top 20 list on mix uh mix mag of best djs and stuff mm. like and he's a producer it's yeah. just like i just don't get it because yeah because when when a record label looks at a producer they go well you have to tour because that's how are you going to make money off these yeah. records like, so it's like DJ. okay well i'll dj in inverted commas yeah. like and it's like so there's a different discipline between being a producer and djing and being an actual dj and because i think yeah i think that's kind of something that people who aren't as aware of like dj culture uh, they don't understand that no. difference which is really sad <laughs> it's funny i remember um my 15 year old uh, she, when she was younger she brought her friends to the house and they were looking at all my vinyls and they're like oh they're big cds <laughs> I was like, okay, but that just shows it's like, you know, if you're not around it, you don't know it. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's, I think, it's funny. I think as a kid, I remember calling the big CDs. Like, yeah. Just because I reckon now they're a lot more in the public. Yeah, now it's pe- yeah. kids know, but this is back when it was like CDs were the main seller mm. and it was just, <laughs> it was crazy. I was laughing when they, when they said that. I was just like, okay. <laughs> I heard someone, no, someone told me recently that um, people now buy CDs but they don't ever play them because they don't have CD players. Uh, probably. Yeah. But my, I, I still buy CDs. Yeah. And I and still it, buy vinyl. As, as do so, I. And so it's, it's like, like I, I buy CDs for like having the physical thing. And also, yeah. yeah, there's a number of reasons. But 
like um like supporting the artist because i know the difference between like buying a cd and buying like just it off the internet yeah or just streaming it on spotify yeah exactly (laughs) and it's but the idea that you would I'd like buy a physical thing and then not ever do anything with it it's like oh okay well that's like um like people who buy albums just to put them on their wall yeah that yeah and I've heard of that and I was like, like what <laughs> I can I can sort of understand they wanted it. it's a it's a cool cover and they want to put it on the wall but play the record play it yeah. you know or just just take take the the Take the cover off, mm. take the record out on the inside cover, keep that somewhere to play it, yeah. and put the record cover on. Because I've got like back, you know, like double copies of records mm. and stuff like that. So I've got like uh, Raising Hell and the MC cover frame, mm. but that's then I've got the two copies yeah. of it in one other uh, uh, cover, you know, stuff like that. So I can sort of see it, but still, if you just buy the record, don't even play it and stick it on the wall. Yeah. That's but then again, some of them, are, uh, some albums are selling, and they give you like a code to download it as yeah. well. So uh, yeah, well yeah, it's, because, yeah, it's a weird one. <laughs> I mean, it's because there's a, that difference between um, buying a record to play it and buying a record just to have it, and I, I don't know, and and sitting down and being able to play a record, whereas like or and the difference between that and just having it on shuffle on Spotify is kind of yeah. that's that's the difference between those kind of physical formats and like. And streaming and stuff because you don't necessarily have the some people don't have the time to sit down. No, well that's it. It's I suppose it's like attention span as well. It's like some people don't want to just sit down and listen to a whole album. Mm -hmm. So whether it's on vinyl or Spotify or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. But it is what it is. But I think, but I think that then the the other thing to come from vinyl is I think there's a there's a resurgence in people who DJ because they're buying vinyl and going well. I can now take these physical things and play them. And I think that kind of, that also that vinyl thing has, um, I think people who play, who DJ with vinyl kind of have like their, it's just not a status thing, but more like a kind of, it's more appealing to some people. Yeah, it's it's sort of, it's like, like I love the whole fact that you have like record store day mm. and there seems to be like nights popping up around record store day where there's only vinyl playing plays mm-hmm. and stuff. It's sort of got this, I don't know, like a niche sort of following almost. And, I don't, I don't and it's even... sort of, it's more of a, a status, yeah. if you know what I mean. It's yeah. like, it's like oh, playing yeah, 100% vinyl set yeah, sort of exactly. thing. That, that sort of thing it's got. And yeah. It's, uh, and now DJs are billed as playing a vinyl, vinyl set, set. yeah. And it's something, there's something more appealing about that somehow. And I'm like, oh, it's just, I mean, to me, like, I don't know, maybe, do, do you know, do you, have you got a... Well, my mother-in-law was saying she she reckons the resurgence in vinyl is down to hipsters because they want uh, authentic stuff. Yeah, like the craft beer. They want authentic craft <laughs> beer and all this sort of thing, you know, and anything. But yeah, like I sort of see where she's coming from, but then you can't sort of equate it hundred percent to hipsters or it's no. just. But I I don't know why it's, it's things going circles, don't they? Yeah, so it's. Oh, come round to CDs again, you know. Everyone, everyone buying CDs again, but at the moment it's finals days. So. Yeah, I mean, because that—that's just yeah that that thing that someone said about people buy CDs and they don't even play them. Because to me, if if I buy a new CD that I haven't already downloaded, I will rip it and put it on my 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 iTunes, and then so I can listen to it elsewhere. But often is the case I'll get a download first, so a lot of my CDs don't even end up out of the shrink wrap. Yeah. Time until like, like my my wife buys a lot of CDs 
because she just like my kids they, they're all like spotify and whatever mm. but it's still it's like my 15 year old she, she's got her own vinyl collection she's got mm. her own record player and stuff but my wife is just she's in that cd era yeah and she still loves it she'll, she'll go on amazon buy a cd or whatever go in any secondhand shops she'll come home handbag full of cds and dvds and yeah, stuff. The thing. Like... my mum my was asking me and my sister if we knew anywhere uh, that would just take tapes because uh, one of her friends was moving and he wanted to get rid of a load of tapes. And I was like, I don't think that's... Yeah. I mean, tapes are another thing entirely. Like, yeah. Um, it's, um, we were clearing the attic out and like the sister my, my daughter's got, she bought it at a jumble sale. It's an old mm. like record player, tape deck, radio, all of that. But she's never been, never played tapes or anything <laughs> yeah, like that. And I went in the attic and I bought out these big shoe boxes full of old tapes, all these mixtapes and all sorts of stuff. She's like, oh, can I have a listen to one of them? Mm. So I gave her a tape. Uh, what do you do with it? <laughs> <laughs> right, you press eject there, you put it in. Like, yeah. yeah, it was funny. It's, it's, it's odd how that technology, like, it's still going. I, I I think, you know, once CDs became a thing, I was like, oh, tapes aren't going to last very long. But they're still, you know, still... Yeah, and it's, still they've got that, that retro thing. It's like um, Children of Zeus um, from Manchester. They've just released their album on cassette. Mm. They've got it. They've they released the vinyl one, and they've got the cassette one. So yeah, and you can get it on CD, obviously. So it's all, all formats covered, yeah. basically. It was a bit funny seeing it. It was just like, is this, yeah. a, is this a joke? Or are they actually doing becoming, it? But yeah, it's becoming a lot more common, and it's like, okay, cool. And uh, maybe it's the portability, or like, it's it's kind of like that thing that um, you know, I I used to listen to CDs on a CD player, and you would just listen to an album over and over again until you took the CD out. So yeah, like, and that was my portable. Th- thing to listen to before i had an ipod so that was like i really got invested in albums because of that and i guess it's now you can just do that with a cassette player yeah and you know they're re they're remaking or making new cassette players now which i didn't even think that was ever going to be a thing again yeah it's, it was nuts to see in like turntables being sold in shops with cassette players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i yeah it's great i mean it is great because then it's it, it's making people fall back in love with like the physical format which was really yeah. making the industry suffer people stop oh, buying. Yeah. i mean you know it, it i don't think it's necessarily gonna come back as strong as it used to be like before oh no i don't think it can ever come back you know it's high definitely you know but but you know it's it's like like i i still buy vinyl 99 percent of the vinyl i buy is old stuff mm. like like funk 45s and stuff like that but then i'll buy now i've started buying newer stuff again because it's more available mm-hmm. which which is good, you know. It's like, like I, I love like Kendrick, and I saw him, I've been yeah. buying all his albums on on vinyl and stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, Ghostface bought an album out yeah. a couple of years ago, and I was like, right, I'll treat myself to that. And yeah. stuff. So it's like, yeah. What What's the difference between that vinyl and then vinyl? You kind of is there like a clear sound difference? Can you tell, or is it just kind of? Different? It seems warmer. Yeah. Yeah. What the newest stuff seems yeah. warmer. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, you're an alter. Oh yeah. no, no, no. There's, there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially with like albums, like the newer stuff, I think because of mastering technology and anything, yeah. they sound louder, yeah. you know. Clear. But you put on an old album, especially compared to the twelve inch. Like if I have a uh, like a twelve inch version of something um, of one track, got the same track on the album, and you can definitely see there's a dip in quality. Mm. Well, sound loudness. It's not the mastered as much, but I don't know if that's that would do to pressing or what you know but you know, trying to put all these tracks on one album because i remember i had the 12 inch of peter piper by run dmc 
and I had the Raising Hell album, which had Peter Piper on it. And I wanted to do like a mix between the two. And that was, I think that's when oh, I right. realized, Yeah, I was like, hold on a second. Why is this so loud? And this is, turn it up. And then I'd sort of going back through albums and stuff and listening. I was like, yeah, this is really low. Mm-hmm. And so, so, but the newer stuff, you could put it up against 12 and it seemed to be more or less the same. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely a difference in the technology. Well, that, that's interesting because I think only you, well, I'm sure other people would be aware of it if they put a record on one after the other, but you mixing the same track against each other, like yeah. that's, that's the only way you could like yeah. have figured that out. And it's just quite interesting. So what do you think the difference is for you as a DJ compared to other people who listen to music? Like what are you listening for when you listen to something new or something? Um, I think it's just something that will work. I, like I'll have in my head, right? I've got like say disco metal. I got this night. I got this night. Whatever. I think, well, will this work? You know, will this work? In uh, like say Peppermint's, will this new? I don't know. Will this say Kendrick for, for instance? Will this Kendrick tune work? Yes. Right. Okay. I'll have that. Uh, well, how long's the intro? Stuff like you know. Is there is because a lot of a lot of like R and B and stuff that's come out now. There's no intro for DJs all right <laughs> they seem to be all this floaty sort of like singing at the beginning and yeah. everything and it's to get a seamless mix mm. it's it's seems to be harder don't get me wrong it's there are tunes out there but but um I'm I'm subscribed to um a record pool uh Funkmaster Flex from Hot 97 he's got he's had a record pool since like the 90s like when it was all vinyl but now it's all digital they do on some tunes do DJ intros and stuff mm. where they take a beat from halfway through the record and then just loop it at the beginning and stuff like that and then it just comes into the main track mm. so they cut out all of the floaty stuff and stuff. some of those are helpful some of those are just they're just stupid so they just, they just don't <laughs> even bother but yeah stuff like that I'm, I'm looking for like and because I'm a hip I primarily a hip hop DJ I've got that mentality of quickness mm. so it's literally in get the dance floor going and then to the next one, build it up again yeah. to the next one, to the next one. And it's like, whereas some DJs I know will play a fraction of what I play. Yeah. <laughs> they'll play, say, say they'll play like, I don't know, a hundred records in a set. Yeah. I'm looking more like 250 in a set. Yeah. Cause I'll just, I'm just like that. And I'm always thinking ahead. So it's like, right, this record will go with this one. And then I'm thinking not the next record. I'm thinking the one after that and the one after that. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it, I've always equated it to like a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. And you start slowly building it up, building it up, get to a peak, come down again, yeah. take them up again. It's just take them on a ride. That's how I think, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I, when I'm doing that as well, I'm checking the dance floor. If people aren't feeling what I'm doing, I need to be able to switch it up quickly. And yeah, so and so that's what I'm looking for in the music I get. It's like I'm looking for just anything that will yeah. get a dance floor going. And I like quirky stuff as well it's like i do um on this car i put out a range of uh this this set of mixes um i called random joints i think I'd, i've just recorded 12 i think something like that no yeah similar but um but it's this stuff i think it's like quirky and different and stuff i might not fit, might not fit into anything um any set i'm playing out it's just for me that's how i started doing mixes on mixcloud it's just my sort of outlet yeah do you know what i mean um but then it is literally just like anything I think it sounds good, I'll just throw it in there. And that's why I call them random joints because it's just random music. It, it can be anything from R&B to beat some just instrumental beats. Like I've got, in the new one, I've got um, 
Bobby Brown rock with, rock with you. Rock with me. Yeah, it's a big hit, yeah, anyway. But I've got the instrumental of like that. Yeah. Because it just sounds like stuff mm. that like Dark House family would put out. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it would. <laughs> Yeah, and just some random acapellas and all sorts of stuff. So I just look for anything like that. Um, yeah, like even live, you know, I've got like Odyssey, a live Odyssey recording. and I've got that to put in my next random joints mix and stuff. So yeah, that's me. It's, it's interesting because like, like you said about um, the way different DJs work, like you said you would play 250 compared to someone who has played 100 because, yeah, there's a different, there's different styles of DJing because like a... Um, like some club DJs will play a full track or all well, like most of the track three quarters maybe. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, I, I have heard other DJs who will play 30 seconds of a track because then they can just keep moving and keep moving. Yeah. It's just keeping the momentum going, yeah. keeping the, the energy high, you know, and yeah. just be, it's just basically trying to people's, I've noticed as well, people, it, it works well with me because people's attention span these days mm. is like, they want the next, they want the next, they want the next. And that works well for me because that's how I DJ from day one so I think it's it's interesting because um I worked quite a lot as a sound engineer looking after club nights uh for a while and those DJs would interest me more because you know there's more variety whereas I'm not having to sit through a song for the, the entire length of it yeah. but then again I I I and I find that interesting but I guess on a night out I might be different because I might want to be like oh I want to hear the whole song but yeah. then you know but it, you've got to balance it as well it's like there's no point in being or hyping like once you have to go when you're when you're slowing things down mm. or anything like that you've got to let it ride a little bit just let it breathe but when it's on when you're on the hype you know you're right at the top and you just come over the hill and you're going down on that roller coaster you just gotta just like keep that energy yeah. going yeah i just and the thing is and the main thing is you you've got to enjoy yourself as a dj because it if you if you don't enjoy yourself it shows people yeah. will re, people will see you and they'll read what, what's going on and they're just like oh, well he's not enjoying himself so why should we sort of thing so you know yeah. I've been DJing since when I started DJing 85 and from then to now I loved it mm. so great <laughs> perfect and that's the other thing like you were saying about um, like having those those intros and having a beat at the start of a track to kind of to loop and I like and like observing other DJs I've noticed that before and that's another thing I, I really now have taken on board after that, because when I listen to a DJ, uh, I can hear those things they're doing. Mm. And it's the same as like when I'm a sound engineer and I hear what a sound engineer is doing. It just enhances the experience for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and it doesn't even have to be a beat. It's just something yeah. that can, you know, so it's not just like a little floaty bit and then singing starts straight away. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just something or even like records I, I, I get that haven't got that. Mm. I'll sort of go into like it'll be like intro first verse chorus second verse chorus and then middle eight mm. so I'll go to the middle eight and I'll I'll just start on the middle eight yeah and then I'll bring the tune in on yeah. the other deck the same tune on the other deck somewhere else so I'll make my own sort of edit of it if you, um, if yeah. you will you know hearing those things that you can kind of that you pick up on it's like it just enhances it and it makes it more interesting then instead of just going ramming one track into the next. Yeah, like, that's so it. I'm, I'm all about doing like interesting sets because I, I love like my top three DJs, uh, like J-Rock, 
Jazzy Jeff and Premier, like especially J Rock. Like J Rock has he sort of taught me to be that music's just music, basically. Mm. Even though I knew it, but it's like listening to his sets, he'll go from like some underground, like company flow type uh hip hop tune and puts like an eighties sort of eighties dance track on and then he'll go to like playing like some mad EDM stuff and derp, just across the board everything yeah and he it's effortless it's just yeah and it's you know. exciting if you don't know what's gonna come next yeah that, that makes it even more interesting that's like that's the other type of DJing I really like if I go to a, a night out and I'm like I know exactly what song they're gonna play next it's like it oh, just kills mate. it for me I used to be like that <laughs> I used to hate going out close yeah. I'd sit there and like my wife as well she used to hate me going with it out yeah. <laughs> So I'll sit there and like he's, he's gonna play this next. Yeah. How do you know that? Just listen. Next tune comes on. Yeah, yeah it's that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's it's a I weird think. knack that like you pick up after after hearing so many DJs or like hearing how how that music fits around each other and it's yeah it's so when I get surprised by something or something I've been really enjoying lately is when I go out and I don't recognise any of the music they're playing. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, great. And I can just switch off and enjoy it instead of just going, oh. Because I, I love this. searching for, like, I love digging, vinyl digging, and I also love digging online. Mm. Like, blogs, SoundCloud, anything like that. And just finding little obscure, like, remixes or edits of, of tunes that people will know. Mm. But then you, it's it's like, the, oh, I know this. No, yeah. I don't. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but yeah. I, I love that because it just throws them off. But it's also got that familiarity about mm. it. So people are like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll yeah. go with it. So it's not, yeah. And you also, it's fresh, but it's still, it's fresh and familiar at the same yeah, time. It's exactly. Kind of, yeah, exactly. So of... I love doing things like that. And I love, especially in hip hop sets and stuff, it's like finding the original break that they've used to sample. Mm. And then either throwing that after the tune or the beginning, you know, like um, whatever, any any sample, yeah. just put it at the beginning and then just just drop the uh, drop the hip hop track in, or drop the hip hop track in at the end of it. Just fade out into that, and then just bang with something else. Yeah. You know? But but it also it makes it interesting. People just like hear it, and they're like, "Oh, I know what this is." Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and all of a sudden it hits, and they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I know what this is." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing about sampling as well is that you can that it's a lot of modern music has done that now, where it's well some would say it's ripping off but others say it's like an homage to the like these these original things from the, the 70s or 80s and and then you can play those tracks next to each other and they sound so so similar or yeah. familiar you listen to someone like premier is his production and half the tunes you just wouldn't know mm. it's, it's like there's a set that uh, jazzy jeff does and uh he basically uses the cue points on serato to tap out the pattern that Premier has done of, of I think it's um, it's a Jay Z tune and he traps it out in the same pattern that Premier has uh, produced it mm. and then he drops it. If you just play the tune on its own, I'm not a clue what it was. Yeah, because he's cut it up so much. But then you'll get like uh, even tracks now like off the um, 44 album, Jay Z's mm. album. There's a track on there and I've got the original sample of one of the tracks on there and you just you can just literally play that track and then go straight into it yeah. and there's hardly any difference. You know, but those ones I like, but the more quirky ones I like as well, like the, you know, Premier stuff. So. That's something I've been really getting into over the past couple of years is kind of listening to a, like, it is it is like 90% of the time it's a hip hop or rap album and they've dropped like the strangest of samples in. Like, yeah. And I really love kind of like 
going through like there's a website called who sampled and you can just yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it like it will put the videos next to each other and you can hear how that one's gone into the other but there's other stuff like um that is like the homage to and you can kind of play them next to each other and they they work p- particularly well like um one that's like more the, the pop side is uh the end of the weekend can't feel my face into this is a this is a trick now that someone's gonna i know adidas gonna be like no that's that's my that's my thing but uh, it's like the end of the weekend can't feel my face into the way you make me feel michael jackson and it's like though it's kind of him like shouting at the end and into the lion roar the way you make me feel and it's just perfect and uh, the first time i heard that it's when <laughs> how did you work that out it sounds amazing yeah it, that's, that's the thing it's like when you're digging for samples and stuff, there's no point in listening to like sometimes listening to the beginning of the records because mm. you know some, some people just put the beginning on, oh there's nothing there in the mm. middle nothing there you've got to listen right at the end there's a track yeah. by i think it's like the crusaders or something like that jazz crusaders something and you can listen to the whole tune and there's nothing and then the last like five seconds it's um it's a sample that Jerry the Damager used or Premier produced it, but it was on their uh, Can't Stop the Profit on Jerry the Damager's first album. Mm. Oh, yo, look towards the darkness. Nah, nah, yo, look towards the light. Yo, what, oh, what the? Yo, what is that? It's a supernova. Nah, nah, man, that's a black hole. Yo, 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 it's, 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 I leap over lies in a... And it was only on the off chance I was listening to some radio station and they played, and I was like, ah, oh, so I was doing the dishes or whatever. Yeah. And then that came, I was like, whoa, what was that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like quickly just looking what it is and it was like, right, I'm getting that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. And you go, oh, like, that's, yeah, when it's kind of one of those things that you go, ah, oh, I know where that is from. Like, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And it's kind of, um, it's funny because like on the latest Kendrick album, there's a uh, piano sample he uses, which I, I was like, I was like, I know that's from somewhere, but it wasn't listed anywhere. So I couldn't work out what it was. And then, I don't know, somewhere posted, oh, it's this, it's a track by Foles, which is this British band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, like I've, I've noticed as well. Like a new new artist like Kendrick and mm. people like that, they've they haven't gone they haven't gone back that far. No, exactly. It's, yeah, or know. even like really recently. Like yeah, it's like it's like on um, oh what was it uh, Dr. Dre's album? There was a like an indie track he sampled, and it was like from that year or something. Yeah. It was just like oh, okay, but yeah, they they don't seem to go back that far anymore. But, but yeah, it's, it's all good, you know. Yeah, so well, I I love sampling. And stuff. It's like my mate um, DJ Alchemy from a group called Pi Science uh, from New- he's from Newport 
and his tracks he just dig i've got some i've got some single i went to cuba and i found the only record shop in havana that sells vinyl it's mm. like smack bang in the hood like <laughs> i just i spent like about two hours just digging through all this stacks of records and people were coming in yeah, it's like it's, it's this mad sort of run down supermarket yeah. and they were coming in and just like buying like copper wire and looking at me like so what are you doing yeah. like, that's crazy because you think about cuba because it had the trade embargoes and stuff. yeah like, what vinyl would they have like that's crazy. nothing this like outside of cuba basically yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's all so these cool. but, but yeah. i bought back all these like uh seven inches and i just got in touch with alchemy i was like look i've got, <laughs> I've got these tracks this the, the, is one and it just sounds like something that wu-tang would do mm. just playing it from starts it's like it's mad intro with a singer and then the beat kicks in and it's like that just sounds like a wu-tang track <laughs> and i got these other ones which were they were like made by uh havana club the, mm. the rum company. Oh, wow. And they, yeah. they're like, they're, they're like records they used to put on at bars and stuff. And it's like background. <laughs> but it sounds like, like some mad electronic Diller stuff. Like, mm. it's, it's crazy. But I go and touch them. I was like, look, I got these. We'll get together. And, you know, we'll do some sampling. Because <laughs> so, it's, you know, you can, you, there's not many people. I, I looked online and I couldn't find any of the records I found. Mm. Couldn't find them anywhere, YouTube, anything like that. Yeah. Who samples? So I was like, right, okay, some exclusive stuff. <laughs> that's yeah. It's that's the. I mean, did you did you go in knowing that was going to be a thing, or was just you just you were just I in was Havana just, and you were just looking? I was just looking. There was yeah. no record player to play them. Yeah. So it was literally. I bought. I think I bought about twenty twenty seven inch uh, seven inch singles. And I think one of them is a bit like, hmm, yeah. nah. <laughs> so, but I look at like the credits, you know, if it's got a big percussion section, mm. yeah, you know, anything like that, bass, whatever. So a lot of it, I was just going off my instincts basically. Cause yeah. I, you know, I've been digging since like early eighties. So it's like a sort of know what I'm looking for. Yeah. That's a really clever way of doing it, isn't it? Cause you can just go without even hearing a record. You could look at the back of a, yeah, back of a, vinyl and go oh that's got this in it so it's going to sound like well it might sound like this yeah yeah so that's kind of yeah and yeah like you said you got a lot of experience doing that like yeah because you know it's even because i started i started breakdancing first of all mm. in like 1982 83 something like that just didn't even know much about mu the music i just mm. know i loved it and then when i got into djing that was only because breakdancing was sort of going out of fashion and stuff. And I started hanging around in Bristol a lot. It was, um, we had a, we had a battle basically. Well, it's a group, right? There was, <laughs> there was a, a, a few guys from Cardiff went up to Bristol one weekend. And, uh, my mate Alex, he saw a few of the breakers up there and was like, Oh, you come down to Cardiff and we'll, we'll, we'll kick your ass and battle you <laughs> and all this. You just like, and they were like, really? Okay. So the next weekend, mm. all these boys from Bristol came down, a big bit of lino, and um, where, you know where like wow and all that is, mm. just, yeah. in the, but in in the um, Queen Street part, yeah. there used to be a massive sort of circle made out of stone, and uh, they put a lino on there, and they were like, okay, so where's all the breakers? It was me, uh, my mate Chrissy Stevens, and Mark Allen. Everyone else was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> And we, well, put it bluntly, we got our asses kicked. Yeah. They just wiped the floor with us. Every move we had, they just come on. And we're like, nope, we got something better than that. And then um, at the end of that then, we basically said, oh, you know, oh, they said to us, they said, oh, is there anything else going on? And 
who were like, oh, well, there's a place called Maskell's in Newport. And that was like every Saturday, all the breakers used to go and just basically break in a roller skating rink. So we went there. We teamed up with Bristol and it was Bristol and Cardiff against everyone in there. And we wiped the floor with them. <laughs> and then they said, oh, you know, do you want to come up to Bristol? And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, go to Bristol, you know, we'll come up. Maybe. And so I started going to Bristol when I was like 14. And then it turned into me coming home from school on a Friday, uh, traveling up there, staying at, like, uh, the guys were older than us. You know, like me, it was me and my mate Chrissy, and it was, they were older than us. So we'd stay at their flats or whatever, and they'd take us to party. We went to like warehouse parties by the Wild Bunch, who were now Massive Attack and stuff. And I'd come home on a Sunday night or Monday and, like this is the day of no mobile phone, so yeah. my brother's like, "Well, he hasn't phones. Is he dead? Is he alive? Is he this?" <laughs> or that? So that me going to Bristol and everything, well, that was my introduction into hip hop, into the whole DJ thing. Because um, Dennis Murray, one of the guys who used to break, uh, who's now DJ Easy Groove, who's like a drum and bass jungle DJ, big jungle DJ back in the day, like. Um, but he he was the first person I ever saw with two copies of the same records, mm. backs being in right in front of me, in front of my face. I was just like, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I remember like being in, um, at St. Paul's Carnival watching the Wild Bunch and it was just like, yeah, I definitely want to do this. So I ended up getting decks and locked myself away for about a year. And yeah, was, um, I remember going to town and buying records and stuff, and buying two copies of records. Because like, <laughs> if you look in my collection, there's yeah. loads of records. I got double copy of this, double copy of that, and it's things you wouldn't even think. But I've just got double copies of them. And people look at me like, "Why are you wasting your money buying two copies <laughs> of the same record? What's the matter with you?" And I'm like, "Well, you don't understand at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's no point in trying to explain to someone who just doesn't get it." So, and then this was like, yeah, about eighty-four, like something. So about eighty-five then. There used to be in Queen Street, the, where the Capital Centre is, right at the end, on the corner, there used to be a donut store. It was Rudy's Donut Store. It was an old Jamaican guy. And I knew his daughter from St. Mellon's. Um, and he was like, yeah, man, come down. Just There was like a doorway uh, by the side of it, enough to fit a table and set decks up. And he's like, yeah, come down, set up. I'll plug you in. We'll have, we'll have a party. I was like, oh, okay. Fucking, it was that easy, you know. So that was the first that jam I did. That was like 1985. And I set up, I took a microphone. I didn't know any MCs or anything like that. I didn't know <laughs> if, if any were in Cardiff or anything. And I took a microphone just in case. Yeah. So There's like some of the boys I knew there and everything. And then this guy came along, DK. Never met him before in my life. He picked the microphone up and started rapping. I was like, ooh, I like this. <laughs> so I had um, two copies of uh, Put Your Feelers On by Schooly D. And I was like backspinning that for the beat and everything. It was like, and then the police turned up. And like, you, haven't got, <laughs> you haven't got a license for this. You're gonna pack it up. And it was like some of the boys like, oh, I'm going to teach something now then. But um, so he sort of turned the music off, pretended to pack up. They went away, started up again. <laughs> um, but yeah, and we from there then got together with some of my mates and we were like, look, we have got to put something on, mm. you know. And '86 uh, then we did. Um, we're you know, grassroots. Yeah, yeah. Well, they used to have a big hall. Okay. And there was a guy, Mark. Can't remember his second name. He's going to kill me. <laughs> but he was, he loved everything what we were doing and all that. And he said, "Look, Saturday afternoon, 
we'll set the sound system up in there. You can have the stage, have the hall, done. So we did our first jam there. We had people coming down from the valleys. Also, mm. it was packed. And then we just went from there doing them like once every few weeks. Uh, we had MCs, we had uh, like graffiti artists I knew who did the flyers. Proper underground scene. Uh, that escalated to, um, there used to be a Funk and Soul night in uh, the Ritzy nightclub, which was the one, it was like went on to be like Vision 2K and all that, all that sort of thing. But it was when it back then it was called the Ritzy and they had a Funk and Soul night on a Monday and they were like, look, come down to a PA. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we went down there, it was me, uh, then it was, D, it was DK and it was Eric who was one of the guys who came down later to the jams on a Saturday. Um, we just basically did a, did what we did in grassroots, but in a nightclub. How and old then, were you then? Oh, I was about 17, 18, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it must have been 18, but I, I don't know, maybe 17. But I'm hopeless with data. That's all right. I really got, I really <laughs> got to think hard. Oh, like, oh, but um, yeah, and we did that. And Eric was like, oh, Right, we gotta we gotta do something. And he had his brother lived in London and stuff. So he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna up to London. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something." I'm like, "Yeah, all right, whatever." <laughs> Next thing I know, Eric's on the phone. Um, I got some manager. Okay, say <laughs> come up to London. I was like, Are "You sure? What's going?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, it's my brother. His brother was a boxer. Yeah, he was his brother's manager. He wanted to get into music. So he phoned me. He's like, look, just come up.'" So I was like, to my mother then, oh, I'm going to London this afternoon. Yeah, okay, no worries. <laughs> so I just packed up some stuff and moved up to London. Um, we were staying in our manager's flat for a bit and he ended up getting us a deal um, with Drive Records to do a compilation album mm. called Death Reggae. Did two tracks on that. Um, out of that, back then it was like, Jive used to do um, compilations called the Word Compilations and they were basically US hip-hop it was like they had Schooly D, they had Jazz Jeff and the Fresh Prince, they had Steady B, Boogie Down Productions, all them. And the the, the first double album they did was uh, Word 4, and that was the last one they did. And it was a double album, and there was a sound system called Nutriments, who did like an electro record called London Bridge is Falling Down. They were, it was them, and then it was us. We were the only two British groups on that mm. album. And it was nuts. It's like you look at it, and it's like the who's who of hip hop, and then it's yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> So we're questing the hip-hop party that I see in town You don't know any brothers but then shooting down Everybody knows the score, that's why we never fuss And it's like, well, mess with my party, you get crushed like crust We like to go to the places such as Lloyd's and Chicago I like to think the women want to go wherever I go If they don't, I can live with it Cause at the end of the night, I got a place where they can sit Sit, sit down while I take a man Here's a tribute to the party that I know hand. Time has come to meet the P-O-double-S-N-E The boys I hang with, I'm Eric, I want you to see This is the special request to the hip-hop posse He's DJ Jaffa and my name is Cool Egon Special request to the hip-hop posse He's DJ Jaffa and my name is Cool E Go! Go! What's the name of this Cool Jaffa? Close. You come to this crew because he rock the most. You wanna hear the rap? Of course I rap it for you because it ain't no stupid band. This is the Just Do crew. You're hearing, girls are cheering. Wanna party and bring that beer in? Can't open my curtains 'cause the women start peering, peering, peering in at Nico E. 
rocking down to the crowd in the place to be. And if you thought that I was joking, thought I was drinking or smoking when I said it is provoking, seeing suckers always poaching my rap, you're stupid. I can see through what they're doing. I make them wanna die, they're suicide, cause they are through. And I rock hard, yeah, that's my perfectionist. You want war? <laughs> see my receptionist. I come to tell you that the jam ain't done. And if you think it is, then why the hell you all come? Yeah, so we did that, and then they, we were in writing rooms with different producers and stuff, trying to get, and it was just like, yeah, the contract sort of ended, and mm. Eric wanted to stay up there. He ended up being MC Eric from Technotronic. He got in with management, we knew up there and everything, so he went on and done the Technotronic thing. I came back to Cardiff, and I started working in the studio in Grassroots, mm. but this is like, all they had was like a, an eight track mixer and stuff like that. And then yeah. all of a sudden they got all this funding and I just remember being in there rewiring the studio and all this sort of thing. I started getting like people I knew, like um, this my mate, Richard Smith, like him and his cousin, they when like he used to, he used to go to grassroots, the grassroots jams we did in the 80, early eighties. And he was like, I don't know, 10 maybe or something like that, <laughs> but he was always good. And then, so you know, I got him and his cousin in to do bits and pieces. It was 40, um, no MC. Like he's been around from back in the day as well. He used to break dance and stuff. So he, he did bits and pieces. And I, you know, Sean Evans from Cochine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like she's got the same school as me. And I remember like I did a track and I was like, oh, I'd be good for a singer on this. And Sean, oh, I'll do it. And so Sean jumped <laughs> on that track and the stuff. And it was just like, it was a few bits and pieces I did. And then that's all fizzled out and left left there um just started sort of doing the odd party here and there djing and stuff and then moved up to st melons started like a youth project up there called the underdogs and then from there there's people like um there's johnny b who's from johnny b and caltech like he came from that there's nathan the watcher who's um in a group that i used to produce called urban poets so there's like loads of people sort of off they were sort of came off that project and then i'm trying to think what's next what happened next and yeah just dj for different bands and stuff as well around about that time i was there was like um there was a group called tistion it were like a welsh language rap group mm. um there's another one uh divinia they were like more of a pop group i did some cuts so i was doing like session work for people yeah. through a mate of mine chrissy jenkins and then i became tistion's tour dj not long after that as well, uh, this group called Manchild. They were like a mix between, say you get a like, Chemical Brothers Prodigy, put them in a pot, mix them up, and you got Manchild, basically. And they had the same manager as a Prodigy as well. So I was their tour DJ. I also had Bronx River DJs, which was a collective of DJs. It was me, my mate, Sir Paul B, and then DJ Cuz. And we just, it was like scratch pickles, but not, you know what I mean? <laughs> like invisible scratch pickles sort of thing, but not. And then I had the urban, urban Poets stuff that I was doing, which was, um, we had a singer called Carrie from Newport, who I met at a, a Core Herc, DJ Core Herc gig in Newport. It was like, uh, walked in there and Core Herc and everything. And then at the end of the, end of the night, there was an open mic. Okay. And uh, these rappers are going up, doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, Carrie went on stage and she was singing over like these old school breaks and stuff. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, cool. I was just like wide <laughs> mouth wide open, and then all of a sudden, no, these my mates just jumped on my back. Get a number, quick! You got to do something. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, chill, chill. <laughs> yeah, I got a number and anything, and then and then uh, I was working with Nathan anyway. We had a group called the Shawnees. We went to Berlin and stuff, and did a few gigs over there. And but um, 
we wanted to do something else. And it was like, like Carrie, Nathan got together and we formed Urban Poets, which was very, it was a very sort of soulful, because like Nathan was a Rasta, so it was very sort of rooted in that sort of Rastafarian ideologies. But then it was hip hop as well. Mm. And it was very soulful because Carrie was singing on it as well. So did that as well. Um, from that, it was, it was, it was weird because it was like the two main things that were going well were Urban Poets and Manchild at the time and he was trying to fit fit the two together. But then at the beginning of Manchild, they wanted an MC. So it was like, ah, Nathan. So yeah. Nathan was the MC with Manchild as well. So it's like this crossover thing. Yeah. And then we recorded an EP for Rounder Records, which was um, Sophie Barrows, who went under the name of Little Miss. She was a, a, a female MC from, she was from Birmingham originally, but started a label in Cardiff and lived in Cardiff and stuff. So we had the EP out on that and I did a solo album, just mainly instrumental stuff. But then I had, um, there was a rapper I met who was in university in like somewhere like Aberystwyth, somewhere, somewhere that's got a university up, up uh, North Wales or West Wales or whatever. But um He's from Long Beach in California. Yeah. Oh, and wow. he sounds like Snoop, like it's <laughs> yeah. nuts. And he's a really good rapper. So I had him on the album as well. And I was just like, okay, I've got a US rapper on my album. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> um, so I had that album, but the EP. And then Carrie was like more on it when it came to things, you know, promotion and stuff like that. And she, she said, oh, there's this thing, this new competition called the Diesel New Music Awards. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. And? but she's like oh yeah we'll we'll send the EP and see if we can get somewhere and send you some information I was like yeah okay well okay you do that that's fine and then didn't think anything of it and then the next thing you know she phoned phoned me up and said "Uh, you know that competition I was like yeah yeah, we won what (laughs) (laughs) so we won best hip hop group at the the first ever Diesel U Music Awards and that was the same year that uh, DJ Yoda won best scratch mixer oh wow yeah and yeah, that was just crazy. I just couldn't believe that, you know, and it was um, oh, some record label from, I think it's Fat Face Records or Fat Fat something, Fat City Records, Manchester. And they were like, yeah, we'd love, there's a track called Good, uh, uh, Good Day Sunshine that we did on the EP. And he said, they just loved it. They're playing it out and, you know, we were an easy win, they were saying, because everything else was very sort of Americanized yeah. stuff. And, you know, it's... And they said yours was very sort of grounded and what's happening in Britain, basically. Yeah. So we're like, oh, cool. We won that. Um, Every time, put it to death, the wickedness and keeping it fresh. Hey, yo, live the life you love and love the life you live. Give the best that you can give and keep it positive because the negative things in life will try to keep you down, but they could never take away the kick king crown. Hey, yo, princes and princesses was manifest the freshest. Big it up, the greatest is from here to galaxies, ancient sea from the history. Check it, you know it. B E to the R B to the A N P to the O E T S. We fresh, dropping it nowadays. Thanks and praise. Can you hear the message? Can you see the sign? 
right, left, left, right. Come on, all my people, less. Yo, there is no difference in color, or no difference in creed. There is no difference in gender. Only difference is your wants and needs. Life is a field, and your deeds and your seeds completely flowing it with positivity. My vocabulary is very legendary, ordinary. Truth for the youths, original Blackberry, official, authentic, like an ancient relic. Musically medicated, yo, healing up the epidemic. Rainbow stepper, the galaxy we step in. Rainbow stepper, the galaxy we step in. And then time went on. We did a few festivals, stuff like that. Um, and then we ended up splitting up. It's like Carrie moved to Australia. Nathan sort of gave up on music for a bit. Um, and there was a drummer who was in Manchild and uh, he wanted to do some of the projects. And I was like, okay. He said, right, you know, we'll get together. And we did this thing. We did this group called um, Kids With Toys, which is basically a comedy hip-hop group but it was weird it's like we had we had an MC who was really good and it was it was sort of playing on stereotypes in hip-hop yeah but not if you know what I mean it was because it, it was good music it was all good yeah. stuff but it was just sort of had a sort of it's like we had a track called Coke Boy and it was taking the piss out of um like industry types mm. who uh you see them backstage at festivals and there's a long line for the toilets and you know they don't want to go to the toilet sort of thing. Um, and we've, we just got this comedy writer to write this this skit and and we sort of chopped it up and sped it up. So it was All like right. he was on coke as soon as... <laughs> so we had that track and then we had the MC, and then MC uh, a track called Chocolate who my daughter's on that actually from all this daughter isn't that um, she's just like little and just saying all this like chocolate, chocolate all this yeah, like, yeah. weird rhymes and stuff but he's rapping um about chocolate but it's like he's it's like it's a metaphor for a woman but then at the end of it is no he's actually rapping about chocolate so it's like taking things like that yeah, and just yeah. throwing a twist on it but then that you know we we did all right with that we released a couple of t- tunes and stuff and then um after that then that's all fizzled out again and i got more into production then with with richard the drummer and um, we started a production uh, team called kids we ended up getting management in London. Is three six five artist management. Um, we went to New York. Spent a week over in New York with this guy called Ken Lewis. Who we went to his studio, walked up the stairs, and it's like platinum disc, gold disc, platinum disc, <laughs> and it's just like ridiculous. And it's all like Jay Z, Major Blige, Kanye, he's done everyone. Like mm. you know, it's nuts. And I'd never seen it. It was like we never saw a photo of him so we didn't know what he looked like anything yeah, yeah. like that he walked over and you're thinking it's going to be like like someone like Rodney Durkin and some big black dude big yeah. chain and all this sort of thing he walked in and he's like a little short guy up to my up to my shoulder yeah. a little short white guy who looked like something out of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> fine <laughs> it's like, but yeah it was just like we think you know you get in your heads the music yeah. you're hearing and then all of a sudden but but he was great you know he he, we saw a picture spray and it was like we went over there um, to work on this track there was a friend of Rich who she's a singer and he she was working on a track with him so we got to hook up through that and you know uh, he was working over there but all through that he was picking his brains and he he was like it's a producer called Just Blaze um, and he basically mixed Just Blaze's first ever beat and got him in into the industry and just like sitting there like kids like wow this is amazing <laughs> You know, but we came back then, and but our management didn't really know what to do with us. Mm. 
because this is like now the way the industry is we would have fit right in yeah you know but back then he was like like okay so you were doing stuff over in new york with this hip-hop dude and so well, well we got this woman who used to be on high school musical once and i know they really didn't know what oh to do God. with us I, we we you know it, it was weird it's like we worked with like um we did a chat with keisha white who's like uh, an R&B singer who's worked with like uh, Scott Storch and people like that, mm. you know, that was cool. And fewer bits and pieces here and there. And then through Ken in the States, he hooked us up with uh, this rapper from Washington DC called Idro, who um, is the executive producer on the album was LES, who's Naz's DJ. We ended up getting the first single on the album and then he got dropped. So it was just like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. But, but that was... Good, you know his he his um, the record label and his management and everything were lived in Britain, which mm. is weird. It's just this guy and he'd made millions through property and stuff like that. And wanted to get into music, right. and he just found this guy in the states and just like yeah. So yeah, it was it was an experience. I didn't I didn't drink alcohol at the time when he performed over here, and we went to um, the Urban Music Awards and he performed there. Yeah. And then there was an after party, but it was a private after party just for him and anything. We walked out and it was like these blacked out sort of SUV type cars. And I was like, okay, got in there, went to the club, walked into this roped off area. And then it was just like bottle after bottle of Cristal coming out and all this Chinese food. So I'm like, look, I know I don't drink, but there's no way I'm going to get a chance to drink. <laughs> and it was, I, was, I was drinking, I was like, it tastes like pop. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Why are people spending like 300 pounds a bottle in a club for this? <laughs> it's like, but... Yeah, so we we did all of that, um, and then different circumstances. We sort of went our separate ways, and then I just started doing production on my own. And that's where I was saying about that guy I met on MySpace. Yeah, well, that was um, one of the placements I did on my own. Did that fewer bits and pieces, and then I was like, do you know what? I really don't give a shit about the music industry anymore. <laughs> yeah, I I love DJing, so I'm just gonna go back to doing that, and that's what I did. I just knocked production on the head. I mean, the last tune I ever produced was 2007. Whatever you gotta grab with a punctual fork I stalk fakes and stab Push forward, formulating formula fours Inside the port of raw forsaken ore And my stylist lean mean fat grilling machine The lyrical George Foreman fortifying the team Okay, there's 16s of mean cuisine of green beans or beef with a fourth bearing green Massive space suit the stars Play football with the planets Till aliens forfeit and forced to get hammered Poetry pole position, the sole mission is giving my brain Itching under my forehead, lyrics be living First and foremost, I roast many a challenger Stamp on stage and forecast something to damage My stamina's unforgettable, rhythm is key With four million syllables, foregoing surgery Form a form of an android, mechanical man With a superimposed force field and steel hands I forego the tests and drink bottles of medicine And end up forth in a foregoing experiment Since then, I've just been concentrating on DJing because that's my first love. Don't get me wrong, I, I would, like, sometimes I listen to samples and stuff, and I'm like, no, oh, <laughs> I really should get back into it. But, yeah. 
but then but since I've started DJing again I I've I've traveled a hell of a lot more. It's like I did three dates in China. Mm. I DJed in a castle in Italy, which is <laughs> nuts. It was a I used to DJ down it was a club um well it's like a restaurant bar type place down down the bay called Bar Orient. It's I think it's Las Guanas now or something like that. Mm. But um I used to DJ in there playing like all sort of 80s soul and and funk and stuff like that. And this guy came up to me. He's like, uh, oh, I'm getting married. Would you do my wedding? And I was like, well, I don't really do wedding, but you know, what do you want? He said, no, no, I just want the music you're playing now and yeah, everything. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. But it turned out he was like an ex-footballer from some, I don't even know what team because I'm, I don't, I'm not yeah. into sport or anything. I don't got a clue. But um, he was an ex-footballer, getting married and he was getting married in a castle in Tuscany. So I was like, Okay, yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, yeah, I'll fly you out, you do your set, and then come back. And then he said, we got another party then in whatever it was, some somewhere, because the, the girl he was marrying was Welsh, so it was somewhere in Wales, West Wales or something like that. But yeah, it was like weird things. And it, I found I've, I've been doing a lot more sort of um, session work, like scratching and stuff on, like I did Joe Dirt's album. I've done stuff with Raul Duke, uh, Joe Blow, and then just, you know, anyone else who basically asked me and it, it's a lot of well stuff because I've, I've I've always got it in my head you know from back when I was signed to Jive and everything they, they found out we're from Wales and they sort of like really? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, is it actually hip hop in Wales? Uh, you know, all that sort of thing yeah, and it's yeah. like so I just anyone who especially from Wales Welsh artists any you know the younger ones coming up or anything I'm just like yeah I just I'll do whatever I can to promote mm-hmm. you it's you know any mixes like, I've just done a mix now for um, there's a station in Canada called Pots and Pans Radio and I just done a mix of all while ship up for that station and I put everyone from like back in the day from like Johnny B tunes on there there's uh, like Dead Residence tunes on there and then I've got like Conrad and Chu yeah. on there as well like you know so it's like new school old school yeah. that type of thing yeah and it's it's like nights like the hold up and who are promoting all these new artists and they do like ciphers and stuff as well on Saturdays. I just think, well, yeah, I've yeah. got, a, you know, I've been around for a while. Like I said, I'm 50 this year. So it's like, <laughs> you know, um, so if I, if I can help out in any way, mm-hmm. I'd do it. Oh yeah. So. I've I totally got that attitude at the moment. Cause it's like, if, if you can add your experience or like your contacts to someone else, it's like, it's so much more beneficial for them. Yeah. So I remember when I was in their position, and not being able to get anything done because nobody, well, not that no one would help me out, but because you didn't know how to do it. Yeah, well, that's it. And it's like when I started, you know, it was pre-internet, so you had to do a lot of legwork, mm. you know. But now it's a lot easier, but there's still hurdles you have to mm. get over, you know. So. I think I think it is easier, but now you've got a lot more. It's saturated. Yeah, yeah, it's saturated, and so you got, and also you've got all those people asking the same people the same things, like. No, it's yeah, like, it's it's a weird one now. It it's like I said, like music I guess sent and stuff. It's easier because it's not all sent on vinyl anymore. Mm. It's like MP3. I get sent about between the the one record pool. I got another free record pool I'm on as well, and then just people I know who send me emails with tunes attached and stuff like that. I get sent around about four and a half to five thousand records a month. So it's like, yeah, it's a lot. Wow. <laughs> so to sift through that, you've got to have this filter yeah where you can literally pe- i can look at tunes and i'm like well i'm never gonna play that never gonna play that never gonna yeah. play that never gonna play that. i'll play that i won't play that that's just by sight and then i think some of them are like oh i don't know about this one and press mm. start and it's soon as soon as it hits it's like no 
no, yes, I'll play that, whatever. And then other ones will just pique my interest and I'll listen to the whole thing. But yeah, you've just got to, you've got to have that filter these days. Yeah, I mean, that's, I've been talking about that a bit, like about how there is so much and you have to be very quick. Otherwise you just won't, you won't, you can't keep up with yourself. No. You can't keep up with how much is going It's only on. like the last sort of 10 years, say that my wife was actually, okay, well, it's not just, you DJing is yeah. the job it's actually the, the source in the music yeah, and everything exactly. as well but yeah before it was like why are you on the computer so much yeah. <laughs> it's like because oh, like, I've been sent all these I, yeah. it's like over Christmas I didn't check what I've been sent or anything like that and then the other night like well it's beginning of the month it was I, I sort of sat down I sat down about seven o'clock at night and I finished going through it all about two three in the morning mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It's just you know you just got to do it. You're yeah. a DJ these days, yeah. you and know. then once you once you find something amazing, you're like, oh, this is worth it. Isn't it? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. that's it. You could go through like hundreds of records and all like crap, and some of them are all right. You play them and all that, and you find this one gem, and you're just yeah. like, oh my god. <laughs> it's like there's a there's a record I play in like say like Peppermint. It's a record I play in Peppermint, and every set I've done. I've played this record and it's it's uh, No Diggity by Backstreet. Yeah. But it's like a trap version of it. Oh, right. But like a danceable trap, not so <laughs> slow and stuff like that. And I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I got to bag it up. Every time I play it, people are like, "What the hell is? Oh my god, this is amazing!" <laughs> well, because yeah. that's yeah, that's a popular song already, and then yeah, and then to add really this really modern yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. element to it, it's just like it just blows people's minds. <laughs> I love it. That's cool. But yeah, anything like that, that goes back to me saying, you know, any quirky sort of remixes and stuff like that. I I, I love playing them. I'm gonna jump back a bit. I've just been doing some notes. Um, so you kind of, like you said, you started in Grassroots and then did these projects as well. Like. Yeah, yeah. I started in Grassroots because um, it was basically, I knew Paul Durant used to run it through going in there and recording, mm. uh, uh, going in there and doing the jam, sorry, not record. And then uh, he said, well, basically, because I was on the dole at the time as well, he said there was this ET scheme, you know, extra tenor. <laughs> no, no, it's, it was it didn't. That's what everyone used to call it. I don't. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Uh, it stood for, but everyone used to say, "Oh, it's an extra ten because You could just get an extra ten on top of your door. <laughs> okay. And he said, "Oh, look, we're starting a studio in here. Do you want to come in and work?" You know, I was like, "Yeah." So started there. Um, and then after after all of that, then I moved to St. Mellons, and there was uh, basically a load of kids who were into dance, mm. hip hop. DJ and all sorts of rap and anything like that and got together and there was this project called the, uh, the Underdogs mm. yeah and it was just out of a house basically and yeah. managed to get funding and stuff and doing TV and whatever but they, I still see it's like Christmas time I bumped into one of the kids who was in the Underdogs oh my god you're still DJing and yeah. all this sort of but yeah but then it was like people came off of that it's like um, this guy called Sparky like he's he basically Still lives in St. Mellon's, puts out a tune every now and again, puts out a video every now and again. And, you know, he's, he just loves it. So he, that's what he does. And that, he, it all comes from that. 
And then with Nathan as well from the uh, like Urban Poets, he came from that. He was just a kid. He used to ride his bike up and down the street <laughs> and found out he had a talent for MC. And Johnny B like went on to, to he he uh, hooked up with this guy called Caltech and they put out, I think they put out like three albums, something like that. He supported Ice T. He's done all sorts of stuff, like, and that all stems from him. Yeah, you know, being little kids, just getting involved in that. So. Th- yeah, and like youth clubs, and it's like youth clubs and youth organisations. So I find them so important, and they're kind of really neglected. Oh, totally. Yeah, and it's, yeah, my mother-in-law is like she works at Cate's Community Centre, mm. and well, that's that's where, I, yeah, that's where I came up yeah, through was Cate's. Like, oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I mean, I didn't live in Cate's. I lived over the other side. But that, yeah, because you did the Junior Bill gig down there, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. But uh, years and years ago, we did something called Under Construction. Under, under Construction, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like that was that was kind of like my start into being Oh, in okay. Oh, you probably industry. know my mother-in-law and Debbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like kind of and doing all that, it's it's so important. I don't think I'd be anywhere near near the same position I I am in now. And it like those things are so yeah neglected and kind of just like left by the wayside because that you don't see the the benefits of them a lot of the no, time. Well, pe- well, well, people don't people see do, them. Yeah, yeah you, when you're in it, it's just definitely you see. Because I I I started going to cafes when I used to break dance. Mm. Because I used to hang around with some guys from Lan Edin and then there was like dance competitions and stuff down there. So we used to go down there. I think they still do break dance at Cate. Yeah, it was like, um, Quam. Like, that's never thought about Quam used to be a man child as well. He was the dancer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he does it on a Sunday, I think it is. Or, no, mate, no, mate, Friday. Friday, I think he does uh, break dance. But yeah, there's all people like that who, around who are still doing stuff. But but yeah, the, the whole youth thing, it's like, like my mother-in-law, she's always like sort of trying to get funding here and funding there and do bits and pieces. You know, it's like I used to do workshops down there and start DJ workshops for a bit. So I donated my speakers to, you know, in the big hall, you know, yeah. the big speakers that are up on the two shelves. Are they yours? They're mine, yeah. <laughs> that's mad. <laughs> the fact that that's probably like the only, well, probably one of the very few places left in Cardiff that does music, like that and grassroots. And yeah. I don't know, I can't really think of it. It's always had, like, music as his backbone mm. down there. Because I remember, like, Stagger. Um, yeah, yeah, He yeah. used to have a studio down there for a bit. Um, you know, and we've, we've, we've done jams down there, all sorts of things. We've done fundraisers. We did, like, uh, when hip-hop was 40 years old, the, the hip-hop bit, we did, they did a hip-hop celebration yeah. down there and stuff. So it's always been a sort of focal point for yeah. it all. And it's, like, um, the guy who used to run it, John, yeah, like he because he remembers me. I, I didn't even know, but he remembers me from when I used to go down there when I was a kid and stuff, like break dancing. And, yeah. and he said, Hey, you've always been around, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that, it's like their grassroots. I think it's like uh, the Bhutan Pavilion, I think, mm. like they, they've oh, got yeah, a studio course, down yeah. there as well. You know, there's there's a few bits and pieces everywhere, and then it, there's other play, there's other people. It's like, um, I'm a mate, Slamo, he's got a company called Elemental Force, and uh, that's a chance of a charity called Break It Down. And that's all to do with kids. And he used to he used to run out of the Muni in Ponty as well. And we used to put like he used to get like uh put breakdance events on up there and get like breakers from like LA and mm. all over Europe and stuff like that to go to this Muni in Ponty Pre and <laughs> all these kids are like, What's Whoa. going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's this there's your you know, people doing their bits around it. So yeah. it's it's but it's hard. It's like, you know, 
government sort of taking provisions away yeah, from precisely. stupid areas. It's just why why are you taking it away from somewhere that's going to guide people into a, a decent future? You know for... exactly. And I I mean I hope now this this whole kind of new Cardiff music city thing. I hope that's a component of it because no, it's I was, it's yeah, as it's important as like looking after the venues because you don't have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> that whole thing where they were going to put flats next to club. I was just like, why? Because <laughs> people are greedy. Man. It's yeah, like, that's, well, that's that's, that's the, the bottom line. Yeah, yeah that is nuts. the bottom line. So, it kind of, it's interesting that you kind of you did go to London and like, and you you went you moved around and kind of played all these different places. Why do you think you've kind of stayed in Cardiff and Wales? I think I just love Cardiff. It's it's big but small. It's the scene that birthed me as well. It's like, you know, that I've always had a passion for sort of underground, the quirky, the stuff like that. And especially in the hip hop scene in Cardiff, like people look at Cardiff on the surface. If you just look at the surface level, you think, oh, well, there's not much here. But mm. then you dig a little deeper and there's loads. It's like, you see, you know, like, like Chew. You know, <laughs> this kid's amazing. He just like come from nowhere and just all of a sudden he's like, he's everywhere, mm. you know. I mistook I mistook him for my mate's my mate's son. <laughs> my first video I didn't know him. I was in um hold up night and you stood there I said, Hold on a sec, he was and he's like, No, no, my dad's I was like, Oh sorry and, <laughs> and then next thing I know I saw him spitting and it was just like, Oh right, you'll know your chew, aren't you? Right, okay, right, got you. Yeah, there's people like him, it's like Conrad. It there's there's so many, you know, it's like MB, it's like Lucas J, and it's it's very diverse as well. It's like mm. like MB and Lucas is a sort of more sort of edging towards the mainstream type sounds. Yeah. Um, then you've got Chu, who's like offshoot is grime, and you've mm. got grime, but then he'll do like some boom bap stuff. And then Conrad is sort of like he he sings and stuff as well with his, and that. so there's it, there's a diversity there as well, which I love. Because it's not, it's not everyone to say, no, no, we got to do like boom bap this. Because yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that really, that's one of the things that really gets, it's like, especially people my age, they're like, oh, hip hop's crap now. It's all crap. It's all, <laughs> I'm like, shut up. Oh, it's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, I love boom bap hip hop. Don't get me wrong. Give me a like 90s hip hop set. Not, you know, I love it. I just know it inside out. But then, People are saying about like the little, little Uzi verts and stuff like that mm. and all this. And I was like, yeah, but it's not for us. Yeah, it's it's not. It's it's like you look back to when we were kids. We had MC Hammer for God's sake, you know. <laughs> so, I d- yeah, I guess I was trying to like trying to like equate the two. I'm going, uh, yeah, but it's a different thing. It's like <laughs> yeah. you see kids listening to stuff like that, and they yeah. totally get it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like okay, well, that's definitely not for me. Yeah, whatever. It's that's your thing. You keep that there, you know. But then again, there's still like music coming out. There's got that nineties feel to it. Yeah. It's sampling, and it's. I think that's you know. And lyrically, it's more complex these days as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. it's like you know. You listen to like a Kendrick album, and it's just like to print a butterfly. It just blew me away. It was yeah. just like there is still. I mean, because he he played the Grammys last night, and he like premiered a couple of new songs, and it was like the way he. It's just like, I don't even understand how he can fit that many words into a sentence, let alone yeah. like talk about the things he talks about. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like these, these kind of, these guys in Cardiff and like in South Wales are so diverse. You're right. Yeah. There's no, there's no Cardiff sound because. There's, there's no Cardiff sound. There's no boundaries. Yeah. You take it to wherever you want to take it. Which is so exciting. Like if, yeah. if it was, if I had to do it, I'm, I'm like less 
tentative about doing a hip hop night now because I understand that because I understand it's not going to be the same stuff over yeah. and over like and that's so cool because like, back in the day it was just like it was a sausage fest of, kid, <laughs> of kids nodding their head to the same tempo beat over and mm. over it was only every now and again you'd get something and be like oh that's different I like that you know whatever yeah. but now it's like you don't know what you're going to get at a hip hop night and it, it, it's it's been like that because I've, I've been doing sound now in the moon for um, a couple of months and it's been like that with gig, with gigs just in general not just mm. like hip hop nights like and you get such diversity and like, yeah, some of them aren't great, but then like some of them are amazing and it, it, it they can change, it can change your mind on how, and how the scene is. Yeah, yeah, it. definitely. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, it's like some people, like so it's, it's, it's a, there's a argument with younger kids and there's an argument with the older kids. Like the older people they are like, oh, it's all the same, it's crap, blah, 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 all that. Younger people are like, oh, forget the old school, it's all mm. about, and all that. And I was like, no, you've got. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there was a, quote I hear from I mean it was like the the last prophets or something like that and they basically said I can't remember the quote exactly but it basically saying you know you can't have the roots if you don't have the roots and the branches won't grow basically mm. yeah and I've just stood by that from yeah from, from since I heard it it is no point in disregarding where you come from because it's not going to go any further. You can't learn from old mistakes. You can't yeah, build yeah. on old old values or whatever. You know, the, yeah. So it is. It's the new generation sort of who curse out the old school. Yeah, but you, they're in the wrong. You, yeah. And the older older guys <laughs> and the older guys who curse out the younger younger guys, they're in the wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, you've got to be a happy. You know, you look at like hip hop as one, right? You you look at that next to like rock music, and you've got like big rock uh, Rolling Stones thing mm. they're still touring no one says oh you're getting a bit too old for this and so you should wow. uh, it's a young man <laughs> well they, they probably are but it's like but they're still making money that's the yeah, thing yeah, yeah. it's like no one's sitting around going oh well we're not going to book the Rolling Stones because they're too old now mm. no. whereas in hip hop a lot of people are like, oh it's a young man's game you can't do this but then the biggest selling art is it like in the, like Kendrick's in his 30s yeah Jay Z's like in his forties, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... but it's it's they you know it's like Jay Z has been going for quite a long time now, mm. but it's like yeah, Kendrick's a bit bit newer, but it it does come. With he's a, a bit newer, but he's still on his how many albums he had out now? He's a, like one, one four was Section eighty, uh, Good Kid, Mad City, yeah. and then there was Pimp Butterfly, then there was the remastered, yeah. and now Damn, so five. It's okay, got yeah. five albums. I out. don't count the fourth one as an album, though. It's don't anyway, you? No. <laughs> oh, I really like it. I know it's an. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah, like, but I, I, I really like it. But yeah, I, I, I like it as well. It's just kind of a bit. It's kind of like a B side. It is. It is like thing, yeah, yeah. It is like a B side. Yeah. Yeah, thing, I suppose. But yeah. Uh, but, but then he had loads of mixtapes out before Section Eighty as well. Mm, so mm. he's been around and he's in his thirties. So it's like yeah, I guess so. yeah, I guess so. And that and he's so I think he's someone else who's like. He's very like vocal about where he comes from. He like, yeah. still lives there and stuff. And I think that's that's as, as important as like staying in Cardiff and stuff. Yeah. Like, um, but that bit you saying about um, like older acts not getting booked as much. I mean, I saw, yeah, I saw Sugar Hill Gang at Boomtown mm. last year. Yeah, and it was like still one of the best sets. Not like I saw Sugar Hill Gang uh, one day. And well, it's not. It. It's not a thing about not getting booked and that. It's just that they. It's like people look at hip hop as a young man's mm. game. That's what I meant. It's, it's mm. not. It's not like they're not getting booked, especially in like Britain, Europe, and everything like that. People, American artists, especially, they're not. They're not getting booked in the states, so they come over to Europe no, and true. they're making more money yeah. over here. That's because true. I think we, we we've got more of a 
nostalgic view of hip hop in this country. Yeah. Especially, you know, like I said, the older ones were like, oh, who's crap now? But oh, but the Jungle Bubs are playing. Let's go and see them. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a weird one. But people, I think it's going to take a while because I think hip hop, because it's so, it is so young still. It's, mm. you know, it's only like 40 odd years old. So, mm. and that's from like, is it inception? It, like, it, yeah, uh, it's the very, very beginning. Yeah, the very, yeah. very beginnings of it. So it's going to take a while yet before people turn around and, and accept it as it's, yeah, the art it's, form it is. It's you know? like there was like a time in the 70s or 80s where rock was really vilified and kind of yeah. said it was like, really damaging to young people you don't get yeah, that in rock, the media anymore. jazz yeah yeah anything like that yeah and but hip-hop is still kind of viewed as that kind of yeah and you're yeah. right it's because it's so new and still yeah everything. it's like but the, the thing of like all that is getting booked so like, yeah it's over here especially you know mm. yeah like like public enemy example it's like yeah because really the amount of people i've supported like like supported krs1 oh, i'm yeah. still going i supported jungle brothers like three times de, de la soul did you was that de la soul yeah, gig yeah. yeah de la soul um that was like well, I, I toured with him. All right. um, I DJed for Me One, who was now it was MC Eric when I went up to London with. Yeah. He sort of reinvented himself as Me One, um, and he supported him. So I toured with him, and then he was the one who organised the gig. All right. And I ended up. It was like oh, that was a mad one because it was like <laughs> we got the gig. The sound the sounds engineer pulled out at the last minute. Oh my god! With their system and everything, and he had to get this other system in. That was. Got it in. Sound was sound one as good as what we would like it, but it mm. was all right. Like the night before the gig, Eric called me up. Um, are you are for DJ for to, to DJ for Jay with a damager. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, he hasn't got a DJ. He wants a DJ. I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. I can do that. <laughs> like he said, send file over with his music and all yeah. that. I'll sort it out. I got the file an hour before oh we were supposed God. to be on stage, <laughs> and I met Jayru ten minutes before we were supposed to go on stage. <laughs> It was good though. It was like it was literally like right. Look at each other. He went, Jaffa, Jay, yeah, right, okay. Um, yeah, I'm starting with this tune. Blah 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 blah. Bang 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 bang. Yeah, okay, on stage, done. Yeah, <laughs> We've done it. And it was like my brother was in the crowd. He said, Oh, how long have you known Jayu then? I was like, <laughs> ten minutes. Ten minutes? <laughs> oh. Yeah, you can't really do that with like a backing band. Can you? No, that's it. Like we're hip hop. Like, that's that's the thing. Is like it, it it is easy enough to do that. It's like I saw. Um, Ultimatic MCs a few years ago in London and they had, didn't have a DJ. DJ got, I mean, he got caught um, immigration or something like yeah. that happened. And they had the, the local DJ who plays in that club and he was obviously not a hip hop DJ, didn't have a clue about DJing for rap groups and the, the gig was terrible. Oh, God. <laughs> but then if you've got that experience with mm. DJing for MCs and you know what's, well, you know, cutting it out on punchlines yeah. and all sorts of things like that, then it should be second nature and you should be able to go up there and do it without mm. much sort of input beforehand. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, that all comes from, you know, the start with the park jams, the MC would just jump up and you, the DJs mm. would just go and that's, that's that sort of uh, mentality. But yeah, it was, it was strange. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, um, there's this, there's this guy I know from Minneapolis called POS. Um, and I, re- I like, I was like really into him and then we became friends cause I, went to so many of his shows okay. and like uh the last show he did in london with this this uh this guy called fundo who was his dj and the difference between watching him with any other dj and this guy was like so apparent because he knew it so well and then yeah. was, like you like you said he was such a hip-hop dj rather than like because he um because uh pos works with like producers who then dj and stuff and like use npcs and stuff rather than rather than use 
uh, vinyl or whatever. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. guy was like literally just doing it all on decks and stuff. That's the beauty of like using because I used to play Serato. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of using Serato. It's just like, especially like um, open mics and stuff like that. Kids now MCs, they come in with their little yeah. uh, flash drives, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, "There's my tunes on there." And I'm like, yeah. cool, because there's no problem. Yeah, with it the now. first time yeah. I did sound for tunes, like, "Oh, do you want it off my flash drive?" I'm like, "I don't. Yeah, maybe, but what? How would I do that?" And then I realized, <laughs> "Oh, he's just do it off his phone." But yeah, that's you're right. Like you can yeah. just use a flash drive and, and go on Serato. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. It's like a lot, a lot of the time as well. Like if I know there's a show coming up. Um, I'll get the MC to email me his tune yeah. so I can just put him into Serato and it's done. But yeah, most of the time it's just like, rock oh, got my flash drive. Yeah. yeah. And, but the thing is with Serato as well, like um, you can then see the track, can't you? Yeah. Then, yeah. I, I always found that like, that was so great for me because I was like, when I was, when I briefly flirted with DJing, I was like, I love that kind of thing where you could see what to was going on. See the wave yeah. yeah. And, um, but you know, I've also had conversations with people about how Sorrow is so much more difficult because, like, then you've got all of that music in front of you, and you then you've got to choose what you've got to play, and it's so much more difficult. That's the thing. Like, I'm yeah. I'm quite sort of anal about how I like. If you look at my Serato, like all down the side, mm. I got all these crates, but it, it, I got so many crates. I look over <laughs> people's Serato, and it's like they just got like five, six crates or something like that, and then all this music in those five, six crates. I'm like, how mm. do you find anything? I'm I mean, that comes from when, when I used to produce, I, I couldn't find anything. I put beats here and there, all sorts. And like the guy I was producing with Rich, he was, he was really like everything was pristine. He'd have mm. And he taught me how to do that. And I sort of transferred that over to using Serato. Yeah. So, you know, I've got like different sets there, like, uh, like say like 2015 hip hop, 2016 hip hop, you know, yeah, boom yeah, bap, yeah, yeah. uh, I got one file called Bar Orients because, oh no, Orient Funk. Yeah. Because that's all the stuff I used to play in Bar Orients. And it's like, you know, different, like breaks one, breaks two, breaks of the beats, and there's all types of crap. <laughs> but it's like, but yeah, it's uh, it's like with Serato. I don't know, it's, it's, it's like people that say, you know, when I first started using Serato, I used to DJ in 10 feet tall. Mm. And uh, I remember some guy came up and said, oh, can you play whatever tune it was? I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. He said, are you sure? Because you, are you sure it's not pre-recorded and all that? I was like, what? <laughs> he said, oh, you got your laptop there. Is it playing off that? And I was like, well, yeah, but it's not all pre-recorded. What are you mm. He said, oh, yeah. but I went, I was here last, last week and you played that tune. I was like, and? <laughs> and it was just yeah. like, but it was that mentality. Mm. Like you have a laptop in front of you. You think people, you're not doing anything. And it's just like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's frustrating, isn't it? Because it's like, yeah. I think... I mean, people have got a better grasp of what Serato or Tractor is now, you know. It's, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> there's, still, there's still a lot of people out there who don't yeah. know, but I think, on, on, in general, people who go out clubbing and see, see DJs with laptops, mm. I think they know they're not just, like, pressing a button and just sitting back. Cause, to tell yeah. you the truth... Why the hell would anyone just do that? Because it's like, I remember like when I first started DJing clubs and stuff, the, you know, a long set would be two hours because mm. it's all vinyl. Yeah. So a long set would be like two hours, maybe three. Now your average set is like between four and seven hours. Yeah. And like I do mainly six hour sets, um, unless it's like a load of DJs and mm. like something, whatever. I just do it like an hour or two hours, whatever. But why would anyone 
just stand behind turntables, pretend to DJ for six hours. You get so bored. I'd, I'd end up the, shooting myself. Yeah, the, the thing is, it's like, it's, it is, it's like, it's, it's a marathon, but also at the same time, you can't just like, yeah, it would be so boring just to sit there. Like I've had to sit through like an entire night of a DJ set and it's like, yeah, unless you, it's like, you don't want to just sit there. And just, I just, I just don't get that. I just, why, why would you do it? It's ridiculous, but no. But yeah, so with these podcasts, I kind of I asked like two questions that started questions at the end, but I think we just completely skipped over that. So maybe I'll like I round round up by asking those four in in a row, and it's going to jump quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, so the first the first thing I ask uh is uh, do you have like your a first musical memory? So the kind of first thing you remember that had something to do with music. First musical memory, well. There was always music in my house when I was growing up. So, do you mean like first live? Well, right? yeah, I mean that that would be interesting as well. Right. But um, I I mean more like the first thing you remember that like you associate with music is kind of um, like, I, it's. I think probably just like music in my house. But I remember my mother gave me um, the seven the seven inch when I was a kid, and that was like the first. I'll probably answer another record, never question, but it's the first ever record I owned yeah. and I loved it because my mother used to play it and then I used to enjoy it. So she gave it to me and that was mm. my first ever record. And that was, I suppose that's my first ever musical experience. It's um, Detroit Spinners, Ghetto Child. still got the seven inch upstairs it's like cool. you know but yeah that was my first sort of musical experience mm. i can't even remember how old i was i was tiny <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's i suppose that's my first ever. and then live is can't remember really what my i think the the first sort of group i saw live was when i was going out with my first girlfriend and we went to st david's hall and saw shalimar and yeah, I mean that was my first ever. Before I don't think I like my mother was never into taking us to see bands or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it, I think my first ever proper gig experience was seeing Shalimar, and yeah, it was very stiff and sort of we both sat there and just like <laughs> our hands at the right point. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's weird going to see like sit sit down gigs yeah. all because it's just like okay, just yeah, cool. I just I just appreciate this. But I went to see um, Femi Kuti. Mm. when he was in St David's Hall and that was a different experience yeah. altogether <laughs> it was just really like no because we had I had seats but it was in the front row yeah and then all of a sudden he started and everyone just ran down to the front I was like oh really oh bugger oh, wow. this I'm just getting up and pushing people <laughs> it's like, oh, but yeah it was funny but <laughs> but yeah I mean that's my life when it's Shalimar it's, cool. that was uh, yeah then uh, so the, like the, you've answered what your first record was and I guess yeah. that well that was my first that was my first record I ever owned I was given by yeah. my mother but the first record I actually bought with my mm. own money right remember I'm DJ Jaffa hip hop DJ yeah <laughs> was uh, <laughs> this was Remember You're a Womble by the Wombles yeah, on fine. 7 Inch <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny because like you you kind of 
when I whenever I ask that question, people will go, "Oh no, I don't really want to answer that." But it's it's fine because when you're like when you're a kid, like you you will buy just yeah stuff. Like, that's it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I loved it. I remember. Yeah, I bought that. That was my first ever. But I remember. You remember it? it was on CBS Records, Orange <laughs> Label. Bought it home and played it over and over again. I loved it. But yeah, that was the first when I actually bought my own money, and then. Yeah, and then after that, I got a bit cooler. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, talking, yeah, getting a bit cooler. I know you said you listen to, well, you get a ton of music every every month. But do you have you got? Is there something you've been listening to like lately that you've been like really enjoying? Yeah, um, it came out last year, but it's an album by JID, who's on. Um, he's on. Uh, what's his name? My mind's honestly, I get so much music in my head. <laughs> I can imagine. But anyway, like, its name's JID. Um, yeah. I can't even remember the name of the album now. But Dreamville, oh, Dreamville record uh, record label. It is J Cole's label. Oh, That's right. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his album's amazing. Again, never been shit, never had shit, never knew shit, never well, out, never do shit. Well, nigga never gave two shits. Never been a bitch, never had a bezel on a wrist, never had shit. I'ma take, never well, asking. Give me this, give me that shit, give me that, nigga. Never had the real dollar to my name, bruh. Shit be lame, bruh. I ain't even in this shit for the fame, bruh. It's the pain, bruh. Most of the niggas I came up with haven't came up and doing this. He's like, I watched his, like, uh, he did a freestyle on Sway in the Morning as well. And it was just like, yeah, amazing. It's like my friend um, put me on to it. I got, um, friend Brandon he's got a podcast I do mixes for um called Where's My 40 Acres um it's based out of like Marilyn in the states um and he was championing JID from day one mm. and he was like yeah you've got to get on it and that album I I listen to it at least at least once a week easily and it's hard for me to actually sit down and get the time to listen to mm. a, a full album but yeah he's amazing it, that that is a kind of a sign of a good album when you can just listen to it from yeah. start to finish and there's, there's, there's other albums I listen to every now and again but I think that's the one I could just put on and just listen from start to finish it's, yeah I love it and and so like my final question I ask which is a question everyone always finds very difficult is um is there a record, I guess that's a better way of phrasing it, phrasing it, is there a record that has kind of had the most impact or influence in your life or maybe you consider your favourite record? Mm. There's, there's one that I hear and it just blew my mind and it, it sort of it sort of uh, pushed me into the next phase of, yeah, I want to be involved in hip-hop and I want to be a DJ and stuff like that. And I was Arab Beer's president by Arab Beer and Rakim. Mm. I came in the door, I said it before I never let the mic magnetize me no more But it's biting me, fighting me, inviting me to rhyme I can't hold it back, I'm looking for the line Taking off my coat, clearing my throat The rhyme will be kicking in till I hit my last note My mind remains a fine, all kind of idea Self-esteem makes it seem like a thought took years to build But still say a rhyme after the next one Prepared, never scared, I'll just press one And I, it was... 1980 it must have been 85 because it came out properly in 86 but it came out in eight uh in 85 it was on i think it was on zakia records and the wild bunch had just come back from new york and they were they were um had a sound system set up in uh st paul's carnival and i was stood there and they dropped it and 
oh, here's on the back of my neck went up. And I was just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. I ran straight up trying to look what the record was. But they had like cardboard discs over the labels and no one could see what it was. Wow. And it's just, that record to this day is my favourite record of all time. Um, so, yeah, and that's the one that basically just kicked me in the ass and like, look, mm. this is what hip-hop's heading to. How long like, did it take for you to find out what the record was after that? Uh, the next year. Yeah. Yeah, when, when it, it was that, because it, it came out on 4th and Broadway then, in the, well, yeah, in mm. the States and then over here. But uh, originally it was on Zakia Records, which is like some obscure yeah. independent label from the States. And But his voice, Rakim's voice and everything, is just yeah. like, Jesus. It's, well, that's... You know, Lolly Dolly is like one of the most sampled records of all time, isn't it? And it's because it's it's and it's got that influence. And all that. Yeah, yeah, and it's got that influence of like being one of the first ever well-known hip hop records. Yeah, yeah. but this, but yeah, <laughs> Opie is president. That's like a yeah, definitely that. Cool, cool. I think that's a good good place to end it then. Cheers, man. No problem. <laughs> so thanks to Jaffa for having me in his home back in January. At Apologies for it being such a late release on this podcast. 2018 has been a pretty busy year for me, not only with work and with all the things I get to do, but all kind of personally as well. So I took a break from editing these podcasts. I started editing this podcast in particular on Boxing Day this year. I started about half one and finished about nine at night. Then I had a day yesterday where I was um, kind of just adding in some extra elements and today I'm recording so, so that kind of gives you an idea of how long these podcasts take to make and probably an indication of why I kind of stopped doing them as much uh, or kind of carry on with them. The thing is over the past couple of months I've always wanted to relaunch these podcasts and redo them because I do think they're kind of informative and interesting and I always enjoy listening back to them whilst I don't exactly enjoy editing them. Again, it's such a long process uh, that it does kind of take up a lot of time, which I could be doing other work on. Why I've been not so enthusiastic about doing them, I think, is because, you know, a lot of work goes into them and it's kind of, it's literally just for the love of it. And although, you know, I work in a creative industry where a lot of what we do is for the love of it, time spent doing things you love it's just I think a lot of creative people can understand um, where I'm coming from on this Uh, so anything in the future well I haven't recorded anything I kind of had some ideas of doing podcasts that weren't exactly interviews so that might be a possibility again that will be you know less arduous going through and ed- editing to two people but then you know I could listen to my own voice and stuff so that's kind of and opinions and you know opinions change and things like that so but that might be something i look into more personal stuff about you know music i like and and things like that if that's something that interests you although the interview format does work quite well and is quite interesting and i do love putting in little edits and stuff it's kind of it's always interesting for me to kind of listen back through old podcasts and hear those bits of music dropped in i always enjoy that kind of thing and of course i love being given the chance to record i love being able to record musicians when they're you know just just them and that's that kind of element added to it and like an original fresh recording is always kind of been the thing that really drives me to do these so again that's kind of something that I, I really have missed doing and hopefully will 
might start doing again. If this is the first podcast you've listened to of mine, uh, there are 24 other episodes and there's plenty. The longest is about three hours and the shortest is about 45 minutes. So, you know, there's there's a lot to get into. And um, whilst you're waiting for me to make more, just go back and listen to ones that we, we've I've done already. And even if you heard all those before, I'd recommend just going back and kind of hearing the difference because, you know, these are kind of time capsules of, of where we've been. I might um, also do remasters <laughs> in a sense of um, a couple of the podcasts, um, especially the first two, which were kind of left unedited, which I kind of have since learned that it's not the greatest idea. Um, and then some others uh, where I might drop some more music in, possibly um, where there wasn't music there before. But yeah, uh, what else is going on? Okay, so my endeavours, as you heard previously, the Cardiff Music Awards, whilst we were recording that, that was 2017's awards, and obviously that's all gone through, and um, that was a great kind of great of event for everyone involved, I think. And so now we're looking forward towards the 2019 awards. Did I say 2017 to 2018 just then? Years are all messed up because, you know, we're on the cusp at the moment of of changing years. I'm already writing 2019 on everything before we've even got there. So it's kind of a good sign. But um, so the 2019 awards are ongoing. You can check out the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram and get a link to how to nominate. Um, And the deadline for that is the 31st of January. So get your nominations for that. There's also judges this year. If you are a judge, you can uh, nominate uh, through the judges thing. And if you want to be a judge, you can get in touch with us um, or get in touch with me personally. Probably at the moment, it's the best thing to do. Again, thank you to Jaffa for this, for the long wait, for waiting it out. But I, I, I know he's kind of really big into his podcast and always wanted to be on this podcast. And I think, I hope I've done uh, him justice and his story justice and his music interests justice. So yeah, until the next one i don't know when that'll be you know we've got 25 episodes down i'll update you on social media so you follow me on the erratic control facebook or twitter so I'll, I'll post if there's something new coming soon i always post events up if there's a podcast coming soon but i'll kind of you know the thing is i've got a huge list of people i want to interview still you know there's no there's no shortage of people in the college music scene there's no shortage of people in the scene in general that i could interview so that's kind of there's always that in the future it's just you know i think it's down to me so let's see how how much i can do um otherwise thanks for listening and yeah if you haven't already check out all the other podcasts i've done there's 24 other episodes so hope you enjoy and uh see you soon